Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Blitz, 310 in the house. Today we are going to have a big show. We have Mackenzie Brooks coming in here in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking XFL week four. Pretty excitement there. Um, and then we're going to be having uh, head coach of the Division II champion St. Louis Slam, Rodney Lacey, in the house to talk about moving up to Division One, the impact that the Slam will have in that division uh, this year the schedule that they have put together. Um, and then we will dive into uh, women's news and notes, international events that are happening all over, uh, plus a lot of news and notes at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. And if you haven't checked us out, you can uh, subscribe to us on iHeart, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just go to the link there and look up Gridiron Beauties. Otherwise, Follow the links at the hub on Twitter, on Instagram as well. So we should have a big show today. Unfortunately, we have some sad news to report today um, due to the fact that the Nashville tornado happened last night. We were uh, supposed to have LFL Hall of Famer and outstanding um, superstar uh, Danica Brace also to be interviewed today. So we apologize for that. But unfortunately, uh, her home was in the tornado area. It was devastated. Um, she's actually en route from Seattle to Nashville right now to try to assess the situation on the ground there. We also uh, want to send prayers to the uh, WFA community out there, the Music City Misfits, uh, the Nashville Knights uh, of the former X-League as well. Um, so all the uh, teams in the uh, Tennessee area, uh, so hopefully uh, those things can be resolved. I know that's just a devastating situation when havoc, Mother Nature, just completely eradicates um, your home life and especially your shelter. Uh, and that also just is an emotional time as well. So, you know, uh, we want to uh, wish uh, Danica and her family uh, prayers. And uh, hopefully the, the situation was not as devastated as it seems, but uh, rebuilding is going to be obviously a positive so uh, for the uh, uh, Music City Misfits, WFA teams out there in uh, on all the basically all the women's teams in Tennessee area, uh, we hope that they can recover quickly and they get the assistance as well. So kind of a kind of a bad situation here on Monday, um, and so this just turns out to be kind of like a bad thing in terms of you know Mother Nature and the storm. So uh, from what I'm hearing from social media. Uh, is uh, some of the Misfits uh, players are okay. There's some players that obviously uh, were affected by it, but for the most part, everybody seems to be okay. So that's a good sign. Uh, Like I said, Danica's on route right now to uh, Nashville to assess her situation and her home, uh, how that's been devastated. So we look forward to good news, hopefully in the coming weeks and the coming months as everybody tries to recover from this uh, horrific uh, thing that was just unexpected. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's going to be the case and everybody's gets back to some sort of normality, um, especially when it's devastations like that that happen. So I uh, wish everybody in Tennessee prayers and uh, and hopefully everything will work out as well. Um, so uh, this this week we're going to be talking XFL 
um, week four and kind of an impactful week for the XFL. Um, I think you had a lot of situations with the XFL in terms of um, the ratings. Everybody's talking about how those going to be affected given the fact that MLS is in the picture now, given the fact that college basketball, March Madness is coming into the picture. Uh, a lot of people kind of just having that conversation about, you know, spring football, is it going to last? Obviously the Alliance of American football didn't really last. It ran out of money. Um, but, you know, we do have Vince McMahon backing the XFL. There is a three-year plan from Oliver Luck. So everything seems positive and on the up and up, given the fact that this league is going to excite people. And it has done that. So we had another weekend of excitement. Uh, surprising, Tampa Bay changes uh, their play calling from Tressman over to their uh, another offensive coordinator. And what do we have here? Tampa Bay beating up on a former championship favorite. Then you had the Renegades, um, basically uh, the Texas showdown, and they took care of the lesser team, which is the Dallas Renegades. And Houston just you, – if you wanted to just be like on, uh, on a hype mode, you thought Houston would be, you know, for the NFL. But Houston here in this league seems to be the staple, the staple team um, that is putting the XFL on the map. And P.J. Walker being that mobility player, the key player to put them on the map. So that's a great sign for uh, the um, Roughnecks at this point. The Guardians revived (laughs) revived themselves uh, because of Luis Perez. Luis Perez really stepped up. Uh, McCoyne really just a devastating individual. On top of that, bad attitude. I mean, publicly just uh, basically stating that the uh, Guardians coaching staff is just a blunder and they don't know how to put a game plan together, which is not a good sign for you to speak out publicly against your coaches and stuff. Normally you want to leave that internally, try to work that out, even on a big loss of some sort. But the Guardians did have some success, and they did step up, and the Wildcats came in with momentum. Josh, Josh Johnson came in with momentum. Um, uh, Trey McBride was coming in with momentum. But ultimately, the Guardians, after a bad week in St. Louis, after they got really embarrassed in St. Louis, they show up here in week four, and they take care of business at home. So they're undefeated at home, uh, which is a good thing, but they're really horrible on the road, which is not a good thing. So, so the week four was a wild one. So uh, as we approach the midway point of XFL 2020, uh, here's some lessons that we probably you know, kind of just looked into at this point. Uh, like I said, P.J. Walker of the Houston Roughnecks, really is making such an impactful thing that the NFL might take him from the XFL. And that's a good thing for him because that would be obviously more money. Uh, It would be a situation where uh, they would pay him. At this point, maybe the home home NFL team in Houston takes him. I don't know. Maybe Dallas. I mean, I don't know who's going to pick him up in the NFL, but at this point, uh, given his track record, if he takes the Roughnecks, to the XFL 2020 championship, and he wins an XFL championship, we are looking at P.J. Walker to uh, resurface in the winter, probably on an NFL squad. And that's a good sign. So that's one of the things that you really uh, have been promising, and very promising for him as a quarterback and also as just a leader, and he's proven that. So the Roughnecks really 
putting a, uh, their mark on the XFL season so far through four weeks. The other, the other situation is the Renegades. It's completely a horrible quarterback situation. <laughs> and that is not going to help them. So the, the truth in the XFL is that if you don't have a P.J. Walker on your roster, you're probably not a good team. So the balance attack has to be the identity. So either you're a running team or either you're not a running team and you're a passing first team. So the excitement is either or. You can't have a balance. Nobody's had a balance in, in, through four weeks so far. But things are especially bad in Dallas. Um, former uh, backup, backup NFL backup Landry Jones was hyped as a potential, you know, the face of the league coming into the year. He missed week one with an injury. Open week two looking out, out of shape and then turned it out for an efficient one and a half starts until Sunday when all the issues under the surface just bubbled and Jones turned the ball four times in less than four quarters. Um, so even worse, there might be a chance for a rebound, but Jones is set to undergo an MRI, which at this point, um, it, it looks like a serious knee injury, and that was suffered against the Roughnecks. So uh, their backups, Philip Nelson, an ex-AAF AAF, uh, player who lost uh, in the opener, and then uh, Brogan Roback, a guy who's best known for sharing a trailer with uh, Baker Mayfield and Hart Knocks. So if you're a Dallas Renegade fan right now, it's a disaster in terms of leadership at the quarterback position. Uh, you got playmakers, um, Parnum on, on, in the receiving core. Um, all that is still working out for you. So you have weapons there. Just need somebody to guide the ship. And uh, the Renegades have issues there. Uh, if you go to St. Louis, the whole team dynamic has changed. Um, the, the city literally hated Kroenke. And so when they left and Kroenke took to L.A. and, take, and took the Rams back to La La Land, the St. Louis um, you know, community just said, you know what, the hell with you. Out of here. So the XFL walks in, kind of an advantage in terms of what Vin, Vince McMahon's been able to do, take advantage of a situation where they rooted out the NFL and he comes in and is probably the only market that's not NFL-related in terms of the XFL, which is a good thing for him, I guess. Uh, and given the crowd – of 20, almost 30,000 fans in St. Louis. It's funny how this XFL thing has worked in St. Louis. So the big-name veteran quarterbacks who were supposed to, you know, keep the league afloat for year one, Jones, Josh Johnson, and either of those big-name players were hurt. And you have basically Walker, who is like a Patrick Mahomes in Houston, but Tamu, and we're talking about, you know, Jordan Tamu. Jordan Tamu just really – uh Kind of a mobile quarterback as well, but not so mobile to the point where he, uh, he, he has a scramble mobility. He still has pocket presence, which is a good thing. So Tamu in itself has literally uh, never started a pro game before he debuted for St. Louis. But he's shown that he can lead. And the Battlehawks, if you're in St. Louis and you're a fan of the Battlehawks right now, you're loving this guy. And this guy has, you know, Really good chemistry right now with the, with the players. There's a balance attack in the Battle Hawks, which is a passing game and a balance run game with Jones and I believe Michaels. So he he's also a running quarterback. He's leading the XFL in ball carriers. So he rarely turns it over, and he's unafraid to take deep shots, which is a total package. So we're looking at Houston at this point being the team that has more of the capability with P.J. Walker, but we're also looking at Tamu – uh, Tamu uh, 
Temu uh, here in terms of um, whether he can sustain the momentum that he's got with the Battlehawks. And they have momentum. Now the key will be, can the Battlehawks go on the road? Can they muster wins on the road? They've done it twice at home. Can they do uh, can they get their momentum going on the road? And that'll be a key for them. But they do have a good, solid core of players. They do have a balanced attack. They have a Tamu who can lead them, and no different than P.J. Walker over in Houston. So we have that situation that can happen there. Um, the other thing that's going to happen is Jamie Elizondo, takes, uh, Elizondo took over for Mark Tressman. The Vipers, week one horrible. The last two weeks have been very productive. Everyone and their mother was ready for Tampa Bay to can Tressman after the Vipers 0-2 start. Everybody, even myself, I said, hey, if this guy can't get it done because he's incompetent, um, then go ahead and change coaches. Will he be the first coach that, that will be terminated in the XFL? That's, that was the question coming out of it. But unfortunately, no, he makes the move. He puts Jaime Alonzondo in charge of the play, of the play calling. So, uh, and uh, Alonzondo is a longtime CFL assistant. So he comes from the pedigree where Tressman came, obviously from, uh, I believe it's Hamilton over in the Canadian Football League. So it makes a big difference. So in weeks one and two, the Vipers scored a combined 12 points. Since Alonzondo has been manning the offensive game plan, they have scored 52 points. They also had quarterback issues at the beginning, but now they kind of patched that up. So they've, they've allowed... Taylor Cornelius to look incredibly comfortable in the pocket, leaning on the, run, the running, running game with Devon Smith and Jack Patrick, 230 combined yards in week four to kind of re-energize uh, the entire Tampa uh, season. So that's promising for them. And the Vipers look like they're on the up and up at this point. The D.C. Uh, defenders have no idea how the D.C. defenders are still surviving here. After a great two weeks, then they get – Smashed by Los Angeles, and D.C. opened the year on fire, went in its first two games by a combined score of 58-19. Cardell Jones looked confident. His receiving cores looked pretty well. Um, unfortunately, they ran into the Wildcats. Wildcats off a losing streak as well. But the defenders have lost two straight games. that They've been outscored 64-9 in the process, which those losses coming up against teams who have been a combined one win over non-D.C. teams. So week five is going to be very interesting to look at, and we'll go into that at, at, this, at this point. But the, uh, the uh, week four MVP for the XFL was Guardians defensive end Jarrell Owens. Uh, you can also put in Tamu in there, Cornelius. Um, so there's, there was a lot of stars in week four. Pretty exciting week four for XFL. Um, so I want to just invite you guys to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Cordain Beauties. We have XFL content there. You can actually review the videos some really cool week four plays in terms of power rankings. Uh, so we have a lot of detail there for the XFL. Pretty exciting league, so we got to cover it. It's just great, especially in the offseason in the NFL. And then we also invite you to the hub so you can check out everything that's happening in the national, international game, especially domestically and any up, update news. So go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Also, if you haven't subscribed right here on Blog Talk or you haven't subscribed on iHeart or on um, Spotify or Apple, go subscribe to the um, Gridiron uh, Beauties Blitz podcast. You can get the link there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So let's go into the no-joke football huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle right now, get about 15% off on anything, uh, T-shirts, leggings, 
Everything else that we have at Zazzle, go to the link right there, zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. You go to the hub and you get the Shop Now tab. You can just click on that and you take you right in. You can get everything that you can get there. Uh, or you can go directly to the Nojo Football Brand uh, page on Facebook as well. So we're going to go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com, and we are going to be talking to the uh, multi-time champion head coach of the St. Louis Slam, and that would be Rodney Lacey, who is now moving up to Division One. And Coach Lacey, how's it going today? Hey, good evening. How you doing? I'm doing great, sir. How you doing? Oh, no complaints here. No complaints here. Just heard you so, talking yeah, about I, I that. I believe you're doing, the, so, you're doing uh, the call call in St. Louis, right? You got it. You got it. We were just at the game on Saturday. Enjoyed that event. So uh, I, I can't do it as well as some, some of the girls on the team. But, you know, everyone around St. Louis is all about the good call now. Um, Coach, can you tell us about that? Uh, was, was, did they call you guys out? Or did you guys make that arrangement? How did that work for you guys to show up on that field? You know, um, so several months back, you know, once the XFL, you know, really kind of took hold here in St. Louis, um, the Battlehawks are doing, doing a great job of advertising. Um, and we kind of met up at, at one of their events and met with the president, and he invited us out. Um, you know, wanted to have, have us on the field for halftime and just acknowledge us a little bit. So uh, we really appreciated them for doing that and, and uh, hope to continue that partnership. All right. Um, Coach Lacey, you obviously have a, a, an outstanding resume uh, through, you know, through uh, not just the women's game, but outside of the women's game. But in the women's game, you guys have really been a kind of a force in D2. And you guys have been in a force in D2 for a long, long time. Um, and then you took a season off as well. The season off really kind of cement what you guys are building there in St. Louis? You know, um, well, let's talk about the D2 thing for a second. So we have been in D2 for, for quite some time now since those divisions have been have been set, you know, when the WSA was first, um, you know, a thing, what, I think it's 11 years now. So when we yeah. uh, first joined the WSA, um, there weren't divisions. So obviously we're all in one big bundle. And then when they created divisions, you know, we went on roster size. We've always had a smaller roster. Um, I believe at one point it was a 40 roster or 40 person limit or 40 open limit, then went up to 45 or something like that. And uh, we've always been below that. Um, so we've been in that, that D2 schedule or that, that division two uh, uh, limit. So we were, you know, we were always kind of, you know, in that area just due to roster size. So, um, but always competing with whoever you put in front of us. So, um, right. You know that, that that that's always been a, a subject that you know everyone wants us to be up in D1, and, and we're here now. So now it's time to make some some noise at that level. But um, you know, in the regular season, we've always played that competition. So um, there we go. I, I want to get that out there already. Uh, Coach Lacey, are you? Uh, do you have, it sounds like a little staticky on the phone. Are you on a speakerphone or anything? No, I'm not. I. I'm on my cell phone, not on the speakerphone. I mean, if I need to get a new connection, I can try. Oh, no, that's fine. I just want, I was wondering if it was our end or your end, so I don't know if that was one or the other. Cause sometimes it happens when you're on the road or that kind of deal. Um, Coach, um, a schedule seems very viable, and you guys get the D1 champions on the schedule. So, you know, shout-out to Lisa King and, and the ownership and uh, all the owners in the WFA because 
a lot of the 2020 schedules are really, really uh, competitive in season, where in the in years past we'd have to wait till the playoffs. You know, I, I think Lisa and, and, and team and committee that worked on that schedule did a great job. I mean, we have always had a, a schedule in those years. I mean, obviously we had the uh, two years off in the last 11 years. But other than that, we've always had a schedule that's been um, up and down. We've had some competitive games, you know, with the Minnesotas and Chicago's back in the day um, and Kansas City Titans when they were uh, uh, around. So we've always had some competitive games, but we've had some that weren't so competitive. So this year they, uh, they, they went all in. And so we're looking forward to that level of competition with Pittsburgh and Boston coming to town and then what's considered kind of our new rival with Minnesota. So uh, we're going to have a – a great uh, a great schedule this year, competitive. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's always you know if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So we've we've been doing that on a fairly uh, consistent basis. But now we have some new challenges in front of us. So now it's time to do it do it on a new level. Um, will this XFL fanfare? Do you feel like that could help the slam in the community to bring awareness that there's actually women's pro football as well in, in the city? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in our sport, in women's football, I mean, our budgets aren't the same as the NFL and XFL, obviously. So, you know, we don't get that, that sort of, uh, that sort of uh, media attention or fanfare that we would like, mm-hmm. that we kind of deserve, we think. Um, so we don't get it at that level. But the partnership with the Battle Hawks, with the XFL, um, you know, being invited into their into their realm, it can only help us. And and so far, I mean, we've seen. I mean, it's just been a few days since we went to that event, and we've seen so many people and heard so many people reach out to us and and uh, you know becoming new fans already. So we've already seen a spike, and we want to continue that. So we're hoping that that partnership and, and the Battle Hawks being in town can be a great thing for us. Coach, are you guys doing like tailgating at those games for the rest of the season, or what's your plan to kind of just, uh, you know, comp- continue to have you know XFL fans know that you guys exist in the in the in the city? So you know, we got one more Battle Hawk game at home before our season kicks off. So once we kick off, it's going to be kind of hard to to. Uh, to focus on doing those things. So we have one more XFL game on March 21st, I believe is the date that we're going to um, hopefully be able to make an appearance at, whether it's at the game or the tailgates or the, you know, and, and they're doing it big, you know, tailgates outside um, and parties outside the dome. So we're going to hopefully um, be at some of that, um, kind of get a little bit more buzz around the slam this year. And, you know, we'll, we'll, that's, that's our goal, to do that this year prior to our season kicking off. Um, but once we get to April 4th, you know, it's all business on our field. Is there a, maybe a B plan to have maybe family members just show up out there with slam gear and stuff just for tailgating for the rest of the season, just so that everybody knows your your season is on and you guys are going to kick off in April and you guys are kind of like in the in the same mix as they are in terms of a season, right? Yeah, so their season's going to end probably when we're in, I think it's we're in week three or four or something like that is when their season mm-hmm. ends. So, um so it's actually perfect timing, to be honest with you. You know, we're going to have a little yeah. bit of a crossover. We've already had some of our preseason work go along with their season. So once their season ends, you know, all those fans um, that are Battlehawk fans, we want them to, you know, continue that football experience through the end of uh, – or through mid-July, hopefully, if we're fortunate enough again to make it that far, um, have that football experience with us. 
and then they can get to their college and NFL season. So it's almost uh, it's almost year-round football experience for everybody now. Are you guys selling tickets out there or giving out any information for people for like battle uh, battle hawk fans to kind of just inquire about tickets or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. So this past weekend, that that was one of our major goals. Other than just you know wanting to support them as well. I mean. Um, they're the major football team in town right now on the men's side, so we want to support them. Um, but we also want to get there to, to drive a little buzz towards our way as well. So, you know, we're out there passing out schedules, having our team, you know, visit some of the tailgates. Um, and then, of course, being on the field at halftime and getting that fanfare and recognition of our uh, 2019 championship was, was obviously a buzz in front of those uh, uh, 28,000, 27,000, whatever it was, that, that, that number of mm-hmm. fans that they had there. So it was great to, to do that. So yeah, we, we did, you know, get our name out there and I think we did a pretty successful job at it. So now we try to keep it moving. Coach Lacey, where, where do you see this uh, season coming up? We got WFA 2020. uh, We have WNFC 2020. Both leagues have literally stepped up in terms of acquiring sponsors, uh, making a, you know, focal point, obviously Katie and coach Locus and, uh, Callie Branson and uh, the rest of the, you know, uh, Jennifer King doesn't hurt that they're obviously in the NFL realms now and it kind of gives visibility to the league. So uh, you've been in the league a long time. Uh, what, where do you think we're headed now? You know, I, I think the, I mean, you obviously just mentioned a bunch of great names. So those names obviously give us recognition on the national stage. So we're very appreciative of, uh, of all of those ladies doing what they're doing and, and proud of them. I mean, those are major steps. So I personally know Katie. I, I know of the others, but I personally know Katie uh, out in San Francisco. So um, though them doing what they're doing is just is just awesome for our game. It's awesome for the game in general, but it's definitely awesome for our women's game. So um, that's great. I know that you know what the WNFC is doing, getting their sponsorships and the W uh, WFA also um, you know kind of challenging for that that, that same. Uh, those same accolades as far as getting those top sponsors. I think both leagues are doing a great job um, and getting that recognition. So I'm looking forward to a lot of big things coming up. I mean, at one point it was, it was almost all, you know, what can you do in your local market? And that's it. You know, whatever you were able to raise, whatever amount of money you were able to raise locally is all you had. And there were really, it was really not much support. They just put some teams together. I think the WNFC and WFA have now said, look, we're going to make some of this. We got to go, and both leagues have decided. You know, they're going all in, and I, it, I think it's great. I mean, regardless of the competition between the two leagues, I think it's just awesome that both, uh, both leagues are you know pushing forward. I mean, it can't hurt to have two powerful, um, two powerful leagues going forward. I mean, it's just it's just awesome to get that recognition. Well, I know uh, rumor has it that Adrian Smith and OJ Jenkins uh, are working. Uh, they're going to be working overtime to get the Renegades, uh, uh, Texas Elite Spartans, on the same field, hopefully in the in in the near future. So that would be a sight to see. That that would be something. That would be great, um, Coach Lacey. The the ex- the the whole fanfare for 2020 has been so much excitement in terms of like, you know, one side's got competitive schedule and the other side's got. Uh, you know, the whole one slate uh, in terms of the WNFC, there's no divisions. But last year in terms of the playoffs was really exciting. Uh, you had Nevada Storm kind of uh, come, uh, come out of nowhere 
Detroit Dark Angels kind of rising as well. Um, you know, Cali War out of the West, Arlington Impact. So there was a lot of WFA teams that uh, were not normally in the past years, you know, the, the playoff teams, in other words. So a lot of teams have started, have started to improve, is my point, in terms of trying to get to that next level, which is the playoffs. Yeah, and that, you know what? That's been great to see. I mean, Detroit, yeah, I won't say they came out of nowhere. I mean, they, they had some momentum. Um, but I don't think a lot of people predicted that they were going to be there in the championship game. Um, but, again, I wouldn't say they came out of nowhere, but it's great to see some of those teams. Um, I'm sure, you know, the, the the fans can pick the teams they they feel or maybe in those championship games or may make some noise, but it's great to see those teams that no one predicted. And that's, I mean, that can only help the league. When you get those competitive games, whether it's regular season playoffs, upsets, whatever, when you get that, it's great for the league. It's great for the sport. Um, I mean, we've had those moments where, you know, we've had fans come to our game and we beat teams and, and we've kind of beat them handedly. And that, sure, did our players, did some of our rookies get some playing time that they, uh, that they wouldn't normally get in a more competitive game? Yeah, it was great from that perspective. But as far as the parity of the league and the parity and the, and the true competition, I mean, we love those, you know, the fact that there's teams that are that are stepping their game up and that we're all kind of at that at that top level now. Coach uh, Lacey, what are some of your returning names? We got Taylor Hay. Uh, what is your what are your vet, what's your veteran? You know, what are you the the key names that we are going to be watching for uh, in terms of Slam football for 2020? Well, I mean, I think you start with some of the obvious ones, you know, Taylor and Jamie Gall at quarterback. Um, you know, we're going to have a, a, a lot of vets at the receiver and skill position uh, from Kaylee Knightsling to Danielle, Danielle Price. Um, so looking forward to that. But, you know, one of our groups, at least on the offensive side, that doesn't get a whole lot of notoriety. I mean, we have a veteran offensive line that has just been consistent throughout the years. Um you know, our interior line especially. Um, mm-hmm. But Caitlin Erickson at center, Tammy at one of our guards has been, you know, very consistent All-American over the last couple of years. So we've had some we've had some mainstays, you know, up front. And then defensively, um, you know, uh, one of our corners has been, again, a mainstay out there with Key Smith. Um, and then we're looking for um, our linebacker to come back soon um, at Chelsea Vincent, defensive player of the year last year. Hopefully she'll be back soon. Um, so I mean I can name the whole roster to be honest with you, but there's going to be a there's going to be a ton of excitement out there. Um, I can tell you one that I'm I'm real proud of and I'm looking forward to seeing what she's going to do uh, as she continues to grow on both sides of the ball. And that's Pam, um, for Pam Graham on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. I'm really looking forward to what she's going to do out there. Coach, you've always had a good D, uh, low scoring numbers, holding people under twenty. Um, always had a really good, uh, in terms of really trouncing on the opponents after the second half. So, um, the game plan doesn't really change for you guys. I mean, in the last three years, it's pretty much been the same. So is it, it's going to be pretty much the same in terms of the, the foundation that you have setting set in already. You know, I, I think we've had the same coaches for quite some time. And I think we we build we build you know a lot of the details we build on some of the uh, some of the uh, fundamentals. So as long as we have our foundation, we have an understanding. We have a vet group that can build on some of those things. 
we don't want to change too much. We want to stay and build on our foundation. So as long as we have that, we're going to keep on growing from there. Um, so, yeah, our game plan is going to be the same. We want to make sure we're outlasting people in the fourth quarter. We're going to make sure that we're tough and physical, that we're, running, that we're understanding the fundamentals of football. And then after that, it's just about making plays. I mean, we want to make sure we get people in the right position. I mean, and this is old you know, football coach talk one-on-one right here, but we can get people in the right position, but then they have to make a play. So, um, you know, we'll stay with our foundation. We'll stay with the things that we normally do. Um, sound on both sides of the ball and special teams. We talk about special teams a lot. Um, we we win games on special teams. So, you know, we'll we'll keep our foundation. So hopefully, I'm not shocking too many people and any opponents that we're gonna we're gonna face who may be listening. We're gonna run the same old things, but we're gonna try to do it very well. I will say we will again that same foundation, but we're gonna build on it. We're gonna make sure that we're we're finding those game plan tweaks. I mean, we're going to be playing against some top teams with Pittsburgh coming to town, Boston coming to town, going to Arlington, who we haven't played before. With, those, with that top-level competition, we're going to have to make sure we're on our game. That's from a coach's perspective, a conditioning perspective, and just players being mentally locked in. Now, Coach, does it get tired of just going to the playoffs every year? <laughs> Now you almost got the most smart ass answer I can possibly give right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I just wanted to throw you off base there, but you you obviously hesitated a <laughs> little. <laughs> you know, um, I, I will tell the you the answer is no. I, uh, I can tell you from my coach I, from no, high school. <laughs> but you know what? I uh, I, ha- I have a deal going with, in my personal life. Um, oh, yeah. As long as I'm success- as long as I'm successful, and as long as we're we're still competitive and doing what we're doing, I can do this. And and my wife loves me still, and I can uh, take the time out of, away from the family a little bit and coach. Uh, so I got to keep being successful so I can keep uh, enjoying this uh, this this gig as far as coaching women's football. Wow, that's a tough life. That's a lot of demand there. It's a tough pressure. Hey, you know you gotta, it keeps me motivated. It you got to run the table. <laughs> Well, shouldn't say I had to go undefeated run the table. Just gotta be, uh, just, just gotta be up there. Now, yeah, I yeah. wish you said I gotta go, gotta go uh, undefeated and run the table. Even more motivation. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, how was the atmosphere in Denver for you? Um, you got six teams. Orlando has stepped up in the last three years. Uh, Nevada literally came out of you know a, a good program coming up. They they were going up against Cali War. They're going up to the Pacific. Then you had yourselves in the Detroit Dark Angels, and then obviously Cali War and Boston. So how was that Denver? I mean, that Denver weekend at at, at the championship. The weekend itself was great. I mean, um, just getting there, and we we can we didn't enjoy a whole lot of the the championship festivities. We didn't do much of that. Um, we've always operated in all of our national championship seasons. We've always operated as if. We're coming in for a business trip after we win the game. Okay, and then we can go have some fun. So we didn't enjoy a lot of it pregame. We didn't see much. Um, we went in, we took care of our business, and then, I mean, we enjoyed ourselves. I'll just leave it at that. But um, I will tell you, Denver, noon kickoff in July, that's not necessarily fun. Uh, no. The sun was sitting right on us. But, uh, but you know what? It's a championship game. Both teams on the field. It's, it's time to compete. So we're never going to step away from that competition, regardless of the heat. Now, Mother Nature can be a little bit nicer to us uh, 
this year if we're fortunate enough to get there. But uh, that that's one thing I, I, I wasn't necessarily uh, looking forward to, is that sun being two feet from me, it felt like. Coach, the altitude, was it something for adjustment for you guys? or Because I know some of the teams – uh, obviously, they don't play in Denver often. So, was the altitude an issue as well? Um, so we we talked about it. We train a lot now. Yeah, we don't train at that altitude, but we, you know, we try to make sure we're well conditioned. And I think we got there here in St. Louis. We got to Denver um, a day early and ran through a full workout. We wanted to make sure that the first time they felt that altitude when they're running around full speed was not during the game. So we made sure we gave them a full workout that day before um, to get their lungs expanded so they really understood what that was going to feel like. And, I mean, once we got there, I, I don't think it really impacted us that much. Um, and if it did, I want to say it, it, it impacted both teams equally because I think we were, we were prepared and ready to go. So we were able to manage through it. All right, so Coach, you've done, what, I think 17 years uh, from your bio that you sent me, uh, winning, a, I think, a Missouri State Championship in 2009. You've uh, you've coached, I think, women's football since 2003. Um, you were a commissioner at one point, I think, for the, the National Women's Football Association. Um, so you've been around women's football for a long, long time. So the evolution of where we're at now from where we started uh, in 2009 to – where we're at now, just a, a, a lot of positive changes, in, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I was saying, between the two leagues, the WFC and the WFA, I mean, just the changes to, you know, what the sponsorships are looking like, looking like the social media growth, the, the acknowledgement, and just the, the awareness of the game. I mean, that's obviously a plus. I'll tell you, just some of the teams, um, as they're getting more recognition in their, in their local cities, the coaching is, is coming up. I mean, there, to be very honest with you, there are times when we first, when I first started joining the women's game that it wasn't necessarily game planning. It was just getting people in the right position to say, you know, run people over or something like that. Now it's, it's strategic. I mean, you have to truly game plan just like you're, you're, you know, coaching against the guys in high school or college football. So it's not, I mean, it's not just, you know, a peewee football coach and I'm not taking a shot at any peewee football coaches. But it's not sure, sure. just a, a lower level football coach who's not being strategic. There are, I mean, there are a lot of you know coaches out here that really understand the game, but you have to be on your A game in order to compete. So I think that that level is uh, is increasing as well. Uh, coach Lacey, do you foresee where some of the veteran players that are going to be leaving at some point the game? Do you foresee that they'll go into coaching and we start to see more women coaches? just like uh, Coach Fisher in D.C. and some of the other teams? Do you feel like they're just going to turn around and kind of give back and grow? Because I, I know a lot of them go through USA football, you know, credentials and stuff. Do you feel like we're gonna, that's the next wave in terms of the WFA or WNFC where you're going to have, you know, female coaches instead of uh, a male-dominated staff in some teams? You know what? I can tell you right now, we, we currently have two former players on our on our staff now. Mm-hmm. Um so that's great. They can relate to, you know, what the players are are um, are going through. They can relate from that perspective. They can also they've also learned from the coaching side of things and can see both ends of it. I mean, all of our coaches that we have that are you know all the men coaches. 
I mean, we hadn't played in quite some time. But, I mean, these women just stepped off the field and then went into coaching with us. So they can relate and see both sides of it right now. And so it's a great perspective to have. Um, I have a, a, a couple of players now that are still playing that have already told me, hey, once I'm done, I'm coaching. I mean, they, it's almost – it's infectious. They don't want to give it up. So they want to make sure they stay in the game, stay connected, and give back. This isn't something – I mean, we, we talk about it, you know, if you played – uh, high school football, you know, you want to leave it better than what you, uh, than how you found it. You want to always blaze a trail for somebody else. Well, these women are blazing trails for other, other women coming up, for little girls coming up. And so they want to be able to give back. They want to see this grow. So we have some already that are already saying, okay, once I'm done, I'm coaching. So, uh, Coach Lacey, that really is – some of the instability that we had in the previous years, right, between 2009 and maybe 2012, where uh, some teams are actually begging certain coaches to volunteer and, and put in some time, right? Now we're at that 10-year mark where a lot of the, you know, players that uh, were pioneers in the sport initially are now going to transition to that mode, which I think just helps this in general because now you're not, you're not relying on trying to chased uh, coaches from high school and things like that. Now you're actually having players that just kind of convert over and it kind of helps with building staffs, right? Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely helped. And if you look at the teams around the country, I mean, I think when I first started in the women's game, um, some of the teams we played against, I mean, we played against Columbus Comets, um, it, their coach has been there forever. Um, you know, we, we played against several teams that were around for quite some time. We played against Chicago Force. Uh, I know they're not, not around anymore, but, um, you know, they had a coaching staff that was, that was there for a long time. And most of those teams have had players that have then moved up once they've retired from playing into coaching. So you get that, that consistency, you get that continuity, you get that, that, that kind of transition, you know, from, from the field, from between the lines to the sidelines. And, uh, I mean, it can only help. I mean, I agree with you. I think when we first – this game first uh, – at least when I first started in 2009 with the WFA or even prior to that in a different league, it was, okay, who's willing to come out and help this women's game? Now, it's a pride thing. I mean, it's not just – it's not just something that people are kind of shying away from or going, well, what, women's football? No, it's it's growing. It's, it's becoming more well-known now, so um, – and those women are taking pride in what they're doing. I mean, they're out there playing, and they want to move to the sidelines to to be here when this blows up big. So um, it's a pride thing, and looking forward to continuing that growth. So the slam, uh, Coach Lacey, you you've have, you built this culture here in St. Louis of winning football, uh, momentum's there. Um, we as fanatics or that we cover the sport, um, I wouldn't say automatic for you, but um, everybody internally that I talk to is. Um, I don't know if you'll run the table, but I'm pretty sure you're going to, you, you know, you might, you might not get the the big dog down, but that's your goal. But everything else looks promising for you guys to return and, and get another crack in Denver in Denver. And now at, at a division one level. So because of your previous success, uh, this season is very, I, I want to say kind of interesting for all of us because now we have, you know, Minnesota, yourself, uh, we have Cali War, um, we have Arlington, you know, we have uh, Boston. Uh, it's just like kind of like uh, 
top-notch four teams that we might see at the end in Denver, but we are going to see some battles in season. So the schedule just really, I think, excites everybody. Yeah, this is probably the most exciting regular season schedule I've seen. I mean, whether it's involving us or any other team, I, I don't know if I've seen too many regular season schedules that has this much parity, this many uh, high-profile games and competition throughout the season. I, so I'm looking forward to it, whether it's as a coach of the Slam or as a fan in general. I mean, there's going to be some, some high-profile games that, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, the right games on the game of the week where we can record them and watch them. If not, I'll be downloading game film so I can see what's going on. So I'm looking forward to, to some of this competition. Coach Lacey, um, are you thinking ahead to Boston or Pittsburgh or any of the top dogs? I mean, you faced Minnesota a long time ago, but, you know, Boston's kind of like at another level in terms of success, not uh, a DC there as well. Um, will this be a challenge for you or is it going to be on the same level that you guys have done in D2 in terms of like, you know, competitiveness? So do we know Boston's on the schedule? Absolutely. But I would be doing myself, my team a disservice to say, we're looking at Boston right now. Um, we're looking at Minnesota on April 4th. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we're looking at practice tomorrow night. That's our goal. Yeah, yeah. Our goal is to get better every day um, and prepare for Minnesota right now. And after Minnesota comes Arlington. But we got to get through Minnesota first before we can even – Boston's, I think, the second to last game of the year. Um, I'm sure from a fan perspective, everyone's kind of looking at that D1 champion versus D2 champion. I get that. I understand from a fan perspective. But if we don't win or compete or are successful in those first six games, game seven doesn't matter. So we've got to focus on that first Minnesota game. That was probably too much uh, coach talk for you, huh? No, no. I got my slurpee ready. I, I'm, Scott, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for I'm ready for that uh, week seven. So I can tell you right now, <laughs> week six, week seven. We talked about it in the last couple of podcasts here. We are like giddy to go. Uh, we are looking forward to that. And then hopefully it's on eleven sports. Hopefully it's going to be the game yeah. of the week. As I told Wynn, you got to put it on the game of the week. I mean that that would not be cool if we don't have Boston against St. Louis game of the week in week in week seven. Just this you know, know, just injustice. We'll be crying. I mean, you know, it's going we'll to be a big matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a big it's, matchup, it's, it's but a we're, huge, we're, looking, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a huge moment for the league. I think it's a step up for the league, right? Because you, you look at XFL, uh, Coach Lacey, right? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you follow it for the last four, you know, four weeks or so. Um, the fanfare behind it and everything else, it's pretty competitive in certain aspects in the last, you know, last two weeks. It's probably been some blowouts in terms of, like, you know, the Bad Hawks taking care of the Guardians and stuff like that. But overall, we all want to see competitive football. So if, if the oh, game yeah. is that competitive, it's going to be such a great thing to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and again, I have to make sure my team's focused on the next practice, the next day, and, sure. and the first game. I have to make sure of that. But, yeah, I mean, we're not naive. We know Boston's on the schedule. But you know what? Before we get to Boston – uh, well, before Boston comes to town, Pittsburgh comes to town. So we're yeah. not overlooking anyone. But, yeah, there's some great games coming up. I mean, we have several that are on the schedule that it's like, whoa, these are either new teams we haven't played before 
uh, teams that have either stepped their game up or did some, some different things since the last time we've seen them. So um, we, we have a competitive schedule, so we're looking forward, whether it's the two Minnesota games we play, Arlington, um, Pittsburgh, Boston. I, mean, I don't want to disrespect anybody on our, on our schedule. So uh, we're looking forward to all of them. But, of course, you know, from a fan perspective, that Pittsburgh game, that Boston game, I'm sure everybody's ready for that one. And, and we are too. We'll, we'll, we'll be ready for it. But we got to take care of business uh, early on first. All right. So, Coach Lacey, um, anything special uh, in the Gateway City for week, for that week, for those uh, two teams? Are we hyping it up? Promos? Uh, are we getting XFL help with the Battlehawks? What are we doing for, you know, when Pittsburgh and Boston come to town just to gather mm-hmm. attention and. Mm-hmm let everybody know that this is going to be pretty much a clash of number one, number two from 2009 or 19. I mean, you know, I, I will tell you, and um, a lot of people have, have taken notice of it, at least in the St. Louis area. And, and hopefully in the, in the women's football game, um, you know, we have been kind of stepping our game up on a media perspective, a social media perspective, um, so have somebody who's running that for us now who's doing a, a hell of a job um, and getting some of those Battlehawk players and representatives to kind of take notice. So we'll see. I don't want to make any false promises, but we'll see uh, who we can get to to um, join in that fanfare. But I can tell you, once we get to, you know, we'll get to the middle of May and we get the Pittsburgh coming to town, we get Boston coming to town. Hopefully we, uh, we've, we've taken care of the business we've had to before those games. And we're right. ready to go and, and put on a hell of a show when we get those two teams coming to town and get the right people in the stands, get the right people on the field with us to, to help us celebrate and, uh, you know, recognize those teams. I mean, Pittsburgh has been great for so many years. Boston, great for so many years. So to mm-hmm. have us all on the field together, um, you know, in those uh, respective weekends is going to be, is going to be uh, big. So we're looking forward to, you know, making those two big weekends. Coach Lacey, uh, what's your relationship with, like, the Blues? I know you have, obviously, start building relationship with the Battle Hawks. Is there a relationship with the Blues and things like that as well? Um, I, we're, we're trying to hold those relationships, to be honest with you. You know, the Blues, the Cardinals, what have you. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say we have a, we have a great relationship from, a, from as far as a um, – a uh, media perspective or anything Meaning, like that. Meaning outreach. But we're, but we're, yeah, but we're working on some of those things. We're definitely working on some of those things. Uh, St. Louis is a sports crazy town when it comes to the Cardinals and the Blues, and now the Battle Hawks for that matter. Um, so we're we're trying to, you know, get at that level. We're trying to make sure we step our game up to the point of, okay, when you think about St. Louis sports, you don't just think about those three. Uh, yeah, right. right into that conversation. So um, that comes with partnerships, and we're definitely working on some of those things. So um, th- that's our goal to where, you know, it's kind of the – we're added into that conversation. Are you guys having any photographers help you guys out with, like, still photos for game days and anything like that? I know a lot of other teams have started to step up where they're trying to gather local photographers to try to, like, at least have still photos of action shots and stuff if, in case – there is no Facebook Live, as an example, or you're not on 11 Sports for as Game of the Week, as an example? Yeah. Um, so we actually just changed photographers uh, this year. So in the past couple of years, we've been doing that. We've had, you know, photographers on sideline, on field, kind of, 
you know, doing our game stuff and even coming to some different events to get us, you know, to get some still shots of the things that we're doing. So we're getting that stuff out there. Um, we'd love to be able to get all of our games live. I know WFA is going to have some games of the week. Don't know where they're going to be yet. I know you're rooting for the Boston St. Louis game to be one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll we'll see what those games are. But even those other games, we want to, you know, try to take the opportunity to get those games live. But those take that takes sponsorships. That takes you know, those are, those are dollars that need to be there. So we gotta we gotta make that all work. Um, but we want to we want to get that out there. So whether it comes with the photography, the the um, I know you said Facebook Live or just the, the streaming mm-hmm. uh, situations from um, you know having our games online. We want to look into into those options. And, and we had a little bit of it last year, but we got to continue that success and. Um, continue to build that. So it's always a work in progress. I don't want to say anything's final or anything's done. It's always a work in progress. So that's what we're we're still doing. Yeah, the only reason I bring it up is because uh, a lot of conversations I have with certain teams, and if you're an elite team, as you guys are com- pretty much considered elite team, and in terms of a championship result, in other words, uh, there's got to be an effort to put yourselves out there at a higher visibility, and that would be to use you know social platforms at, at to to their to your benefit. So be like, you know, try to get somebody that can do a nice Facebook Live. Uh, even if it's not a full game, it's got to be, you know, to a point where it's like maybe the fourth quarter where it's going to be kind of neck and neck and things like that. So uh, I know Town Square TV does a great job with Minnesota, and I know we've seen you guys on their live feeds uh, when Minnesota on the two Minnesota dates. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen again, which you've done, they've done a great job of coming on the road as well. Yeah, they've always put on a great show. So we've been very complimentary of, uh, of Minnesota when we've gone there or when they've come here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of envy that, to be honest with you. And and those are some of the things we're trying to do. Those are some of the, the levels we're trying to get to. Um, so, again, it's a it's a work in progress. But I do I do understand exactly what you're saying, and that's and that's where we're trying to go. So from, from a media perspective, from an exposure perspective, uh, and I think, you know, just this past weekend alone, being at the Battle Hawks game um, and some of the exposure they helped us get. I mean, there were fans that were, you know, we, we saw the tailgates. We saw uh, in the stadium that were recognizing us, um, you know, screaming the team name. So that's, that's, we can only build off of that. Now, um, are you doing – are you the president – are you getting like I? How many hats are you wearing? Is my question at this point. Well, that's a great question. I wish I, I can answer that question. So no. Um, so Quincy Davis is our executive director, and he's also the defensive coordinator. I uh, am the director of operations, head coach, offensive coordinator. But you know, it's almost like those lines are very blurred because uh, those are the titles we carry. Those are the uh, those are the roles we have. However, we partner and work together on a number of things. So. I probably have more hats than that. He probably has more hats than that. But to mm-hmm. be very honest with you, it's not just us. We rely on our players to help. I mean, our players and their families, for that matter, have talents that we can utilize, and they have expertise. Mm-hmm. So um, we rely on we rely on them to 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 be active partners here. It's not just us telling them what to do. It's not just us calling plays and training them. It, this is this is our team together. So. We don't have an owner. We do this all together. So um, that's just how we operate. And that's a unique situation because some teams do have an ownership, 
but this is more of a collective. So that's that's even a, a the results are even greater because you don't have one owner. You have basically a collective, uh, you know, group. Yeah, I mean, we, we want we want the team to have ownership. We want them to have buy-in, ownership, some accountability in there. I mean, I'm sure you know in almost all of the actions that, that are possible, they either run past me or run past Quincy. But at the same time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we have to do it all. That doesn't mean we have to think of all those ideas. We, we, no, we want the players to be involved. We want we want their expertise. Um, coach, at this point, uh, I know Arch City was covering you. Uh, some of the local papers. Is there anybody you guys are working with this year to kind of just make them aware that you know you're going to have a great season, eight weeks, and you got some competitive games coming up? Or is, any relationships in terms of the you know TV side or or the print side? You know, uh, so Arch City has been a follower of ours and, and, a, and a promoter of ours for, for quite some time. So they've been great to work with. Um, we obviously, you know, tap into our social media uh, a lot to get things connected. Um, but local media, we, we have had some success. And hopefully as we get closer to kickoff of the regular season, we'll get a couple spots on local media to to promote uh, what's going on. Um I don't know if it's the right strategy, but we've had a strategy in years past to, you know, we don't want to get use some of those spots too early in the in the off season. Uh, we want to mm-hmm. get closer to kickoff time to kind of get that buzz right before we get ready to go. So hopefully that's what we can. Uh, hopefully that strategy works. So um, as we get what are we three weeks or four weeks away now? So as we mm-hmm. get within the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll hopefully have some of those. Uh, those local uh, news spots and things like that. Um, we've had a couple of the the, um, the sports anchors, you know, talk about us on social media. So it's always great because they have a huge following. Um, so we've had that. We want to get out there, but we want to hopefully make that happen a little bit closer to the season, so they can that buzz can really build right before we kick off. What do you attribute your success in the women's game? Do you feel like it's your application from, you know, your experience, but do you feel like they absorb more than the men's do? Or, you know, what do you attribute your success besides yourself and your coaching staff at this point? Do you feel like you just got a lot of, a lot of talented women that just kind of just take it and run with it? You know, I think between myself and, and Quincy and the other coaches, we do a pretty good job of getting them to buy in, to believe in what we're saying. Um, we'll get them in the right spot. We believe that we'll get them in the right spot, but they have to make the play. And they, I mean, if we tell them, you know, the old cliche of, you know, they'll run through a wall for you. If we say, hey, running through this wall is going to be the best thing for the team, do what's best for the team, they'll do it. So they buy into the system. And once they've bought into the system, you can pretty much call anything and they're going to go all out. Um, and that's what they do. I mean, we got a core group of players. we got a veteran group that can – get the rookies to rally that can motivate that can lead by example so that's always a positive that's always a plus um but yeah we we pride ourselves on on the small things putting them in the right position but ultimately once we do that we can tell them where to line up we can scream at them and get them lined up but they have to move we can't play for them so those little details that we give them and get them to buy into that's that's what I believe one of the keys is they, they will buy into the system. They'll believe in it. And once they do that, they'll go all out. Coach Lacey, uh, you got, you leave a legacy of success is 
as you said before, you're, you know, you're on the chopping block with your wife if you don't get positive results. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what, how would you like to be remembered at this point if you just stepped away tomorrow? Is it just, you know, that you gave it your all and you can, you know, basically transform these, these women into amazing football players? Is that something that you would just, in a nutshell? You know, I, I tell all the all the coaches that I work with on the on the boys side or men's side, you know, they some of them still don't get it. They're like, wait a minute, you coach girls, um, and I take a lot of pride in that. I love the fact that I tell our players this all the time. I love I love it when we're in the off season and they're watching college football and NFL football, and I get a text and someone says, I can't believe you threw that ball at the field and cover two threw it right to the safety or he should have thrown the whole shot or something like that. I love it because that means I was able to teach them. I mean, we have a lot of players that know zero about football. I mean, they don't know a thing. And we're able to teach them from nothing to being able to have a conversation about what they saw in a pro game that was going very fast. So I take pride in being able to take people from wherever they are, meet them where they are and take them somewhere else. Um, That's exciting to me. So, I don't know about a legacy, whether it's championships, wins, losses, and all that. That's irrelevant. I mean, sure, it's fun to win. That's why we're all there. But being able to make an impact on somebody that they can take with them. I mean, some players play one year. Some play ten years. But being able to make the impact where they can truly understand and learn the game. I mean, this game has meant so much to me. Um, Not just women's football, but the game itself of football has meant so much to me. So for them to be able to take the information they have, take the knowledge they've gained, and be able to enjoy the sport, to be able to grow the sport, to talk about the sport, to expand it, whatever that may be, that is what I enjoy. That's what I love. So um, I don't know if that's a legacy, but I pride myself in being able to have those conversations in the off season. When people go, when people see, hey, did you see the left tackle did this? Well, most casual fans watch the ball. Who watches the left tackle? Well, my players are texting me about the left, left tackle. I love it. That's great. Um, you also have a daughter, so this is sort of like uh, a positive thing for her to see that, you know, you are coaching a well-oiled women's football team and really elevating to the next level. And she can play, if she wants to, at that level too, coming in the future. And given the progress that we've made and obviously the WFA and the WNFC, it looks like we're on that on that path to where at some point we get to maybe a WNBA, you know, level of compensation, which is our ultimately our goal for everybody. You know, that, that would be amazing. That, that, that's where we ultimately, ultimately want to go. I, I was taking this, uh, this past high school season, um, getting ready to go to a high school game and daughter was going to, you know, go with me. And so she's only six years old. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, you want to go to go with daddy to the football game? And she said, yeah, yeah. Do I get to go on the field? Do I get to see the girls? I said, no, it's uh, the boys' high school game. No, I don't want to go. <laughs> she she knows these women. She knows it. Yeah, she yeah. knows what's going on. She wants, she wants to see those girls play. She wants to see those women play. So I uh, was a little disappointed in uh, having to go to a high school boys' game. She, she – uh, she doesn't go to all the slam games, but when she goes there, she, she has a blast and loves it. So it's good for her to see these women in action. It's good for her to see, um, you know, just what's, what's possible for women's sports. 
Well, I mean, the memories are there for you, Coach. I'm pretty sure she can remember everything that you've done for not just, you know, the future of the sport, but ultimately for, like you said, helping out all these amazing women to another level of awareness in terms of the sport, building their capabilities, overcoming with certain players, right? So there's just a lot of aspects with individuals. Some do it for, you know, an outlet. Others do it for just a passion to learn something new. And others do it just, you know, to, I guess, to, to uh, what do they say? Uh, it's an aggression issue. So they don't have to take it out on where they don't get it. They don't get handcuffs and taken into jail. It's kind of <laughs> official to go on the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can, it's, a, it's a legal outlet for your aggression. Yeah. Well, I mean, the crazy ones are on the defensive side. That's what I'm told by everybody. So I'm pretty sure you have a, a couple crazy ones. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, you, you, I think normally you would be correct. But I got a few <laughs> nuts on offense, too. So, uh, um, yeah, they're, they're all over. Well, your your defensive squad was top-notch last year. As you said, you have a very good uh, front line for offense, um, a very good quarterback. you got running back. Um, so we are – totally excited and i really appreciate you making the time i know off your busy schedule and you gotta you know start grinding for 2020 um so the schedule looks very awesome for us we're looking forward to the may sequence of it as you said uh can't jump the gun and may uh april 4th is your your first objective of course um but i really really appreciate you coming on and i really enjoyed our conversation today i hope you, you had a great time and you're welcome back if anything to you know promote your team Absolutely, I appreciate it. Great conversation, and uh, you know, hopefully, as we get towards the you know, into the season, you know, we'll we'll chat again. Maybe we can then have a, a deeper conversation about that uh, Pittsburgh or Boston uh, game coming up at oh, that point. You you can bet on that because I have my Slurpee ready, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to be mex- direct messaging you probably the right after that week, whether you win or lose. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun it. week. Hope- I'm pretty hopefully, sure Molly Goodwin's uh, looking forward to it too, making the trip to yeah, the Gateway City. Me, uh, absolutely. Hopefully, you send me messages and uh, it's a it's a positive moment for me. But we'll see. That's a, that's that's the goal, though. Oh no, it's it should be a great game either way. Um, it's going to be a, a great event. Um, as a fan, like I said, we're looking forward to this clash, and um, it's really exciting. And especially, it's going to be in St. Louis. Uh, um, you know, make the fanfare right. You're you're going up against or the best team in the country. Um, so you can literally hype it up that way. Um, so that's, you know, it's kind of like a Goliath, David and Goliath type match in, in other words. Yeah. But you know, we don't, we don't live off of what we did in the past. So, uh, we got to prove ourselves again, April 4th. Um, and so hopefully we can start that 2020 season off right and get to the point where we can say we're one of the best teams out there right now. You know, no one has any wins. No one has any losses. Zero, zero, yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't live off the past. So um, we will, we will see what we can bring to the table in about four weeks. Awesome, uh, Coach Lacey. I really, really appreciate it. I look forward to another conversation with you in season. Um, looks like the slam is ready to roll April fourth against Minnesota Vixen. Um, I might, I think we might see that uh, uh, that matchup on Town Square TV. So. I will kind of uh, kind of message Laura Brown and see what the uh, the uh, the Vixen have in in terms of uh, coverage and things like that. But ho- either way, hopefully we get to see that live on on a broadcast, and that would be awesome. But 
Uh, congratulations to you on your success, your team, and then obviously winning the championship last year. And we are looking forward to a great season for the Slam. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night. Safe travels and look forward to April 4th. You got it. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, guys. That was Rodney Lacey, head coach of the championship or championship head coach of the multi-time champion St. Louis Slam. And they're doing, they're going for the drive for five, drive for five in St. Louis, the Slam looking for their fifth championship. And if you think about it, they've had success in D2. Uh, they had success prior to even, like he says, being in the in tier split mode. They were the inaugural uh, 2009 champions of the Women's Football Alliance, the WFA. Then they've won their last couple championships in D2, and now their fifth championship. They would be chasing a championship in Division One which if they accomplish the mission for the drive for five, we are looking at a unprecedented record in terms of WFA history, winning the inaugural, winning D2 championships, and then capping it up with a D1. I mean, that would just uh, kind of cement them in terms of a historic sense for the WFA as a very elite team, which they are. Um, Looking forward to, like we said before, uh, as he alluded to, we're looking forward to the uh, middle of May, which is Pittsburgh, Boston. We got two dates with the, the Vixen. We got a one, uh, one date with Arlington. But in between that, like I said, he's taking nobody lightly. We've got Vanguards, Dynamite, and the Saints. And if the Dynamite Saints and Vanguards, they want to they test their uh, capabilities at this point, this is the team to do it. This is a competitive team. If you want to reassess where you're at, if you can play – you know, with slam ball and get to a level where you, you know, maybe get so competitive, your, your program's going just to improve completely at this point. So uh, thanks to uh, Coach Rodney Lacey for coming in and talking about St. Louis slam uh, football, and we're looking forward to the 2020 WFA uh, season for them. Uh, once again, I'm just going to let you know we do, we're not going to have Danica Brace on today as uh, we had uh, put it on our podcast. Uh, unfortunately, Danica Brace was in Seattle and her home was devastated because of the Nashville tornado situation that happened uh, yesterday. So um, we are sending prayers, and hopefully her situation isn't as, as, as horrible. Um, so her, you know, recovery time at that. Also, you know, prayers out to the um, uh, Music City Misfits of the WFA and all the other women's football teams in the areas in terms of, I believe, USWSFL as well. I, I believe WTFL teams as well. So uh, any of the women's football teams in the Tennessee area that were affected by the tornado, uh, we sent our prayers out there to hopefully the recovery process will be very smooth and hopefully, you know, within a couple months here, you get back to normality. Uh, Mother nature is kind of brutal in that sense. And we can't, we don't control that. uh, And it just happens sometimes. And unfortunately we just have to kind of just, you know, pick ourselves back up and kind of, you know, rebuild in that sense. So, um, so we want to send our prayers out to, uh, LFL Hall of Fame legend uh, Danica Brace and her family, and obviously the WFA uh, Music City Misfits, as well as all the other women's football teams nearby in the Tennessee area over in Nashville. All right, so we have, um, you know, at the Hub, if you haven't gone to thehub.com forward slash Grand Beauties, really appreciate you guys going there, sharing, commenting, and, and liking our stuff. It really increases our reach 
It allows us to share and bring awareness of women's American football. Uh, I want to just thank everybody that networked with us. And I know I've said it in the past and everything else, but you are, if you go to the hub at facebook.com, you are basically witnessing the best network on the planet devoted to bringing women's American football news globally. We have built this uh, network over 10 years. It is a devotion of ours, a passion to spotlight the best women's football athletes on the planet to showcase anywhere in the globe, from the U.K., to Australia, Mexico, Central America, the United States, North America, even out of Guam. So we cover everything wall-to-wall, in-season, out-of-season, 24-7 women's American football awareness, and that is at the best network on the planet, and it is at the hub at facebook.com for size Gridiron Beauties. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. You can also go to our Instagrams on Gridiron Beauties on Instagram, as well as No Joke Football brand on Instagram and on Facebook. I want to give a shout-out to all our No Joke Football athletes at this point. Uh, what an amazing job they've done uh, for us, and upcoming seasons coming up for a lot of the players. Um, we have uh, Dana, uh, Dana um Dana Sykes of the L.A. Bobcats of the WNFC. we got Lexi Demio of the WFA Sin City Trojans. Anna Garza of the X-League and Sound. Sasha Cruz of the WFA Dallas uh, Mustangs, Elite Mustangs. Uh, we have T- Tatiana Blaze of the Detroit Dark Angels. Phoebe Sketcher, internationally well-renowned Phoebe Sketcher of the Birmingham uh, Lions. Uh, Amanda Ewers out there in Gridiron, uh, Gridiron Queensland. Uh, uh, the Griffith Thunder. Stacey Jackman of the X-League Seattle Thunder, uh, Renee Hahn of the uh, Gridiron New South Wales Raiders, Christy Moran of the Queensland uh, Bayside Ravens, um, and we also have Lauren Evans as well, a former uh, Gold Coast Stingrays uh, superstar. So a lot of the passionate players are promoting our brand to bring awareness to the sport. So if you haven't gone to the hub, go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron. Use the Shop Now tab. Go to the link at Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Hook up your uh, favorite gear from there. The Yes, I'm a Girl, I Play Football gear. The uh, Own the Field, uh, Own the Game uh, sweaters and stuff like that. You can take advantage of any of that uh, outfits that are there. 15% off now. Sometimes you can get up to 40% off. Uh, so check out for the deals there. Uh, you can use Zazzle Thanks to get 15% off on anything there. If you don't like our stuff, not a big deal. You go to Zazzle. You can also get Marvel, Disney, uh, DC, anything like that, also at the Zazzle.com. And if you subscribe to Zazzle Black for about 10 bucks in the U.S., you get free shipping. So you can save on free shipping, and that's big. So check it out at Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. All right, guys. So we're going to go into the scores and what happened this weekend in terms of the uh, atmosphere in the women's American football scene. And we have some events coming up in South Beach. Uh, WFA Team United, 56-0 to over Team World in South Beach. You get some of the highlights there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Square Beauties. So congratulations to Team United, Amanda Kangeldi, um, um, Candice Hunter out there of the Orlando uh, Anarchy, and obviously uh, Amanda Kangeldi of the DC Divas. They uh, led their team to a 56-0 against Team World, a combination of Canada, Mexico, and uh, a couple players from France and other places. So Team World 
uh, out of the South Beach Bowl. Congratulations to them. You can get the information about the other one was uh, IWFA title, the championship, the Premier League championship. Shout out to our No Joe football athlete, Michelle Marshall. And she won. She wins her eighth championship uh, total in the Texas swing. So congratulations to her, top notch. Uh, the Austin Legends, uh, 44 to 40 over the Dolphins, and you can get that uh, on Instagram. Uh, we congratulated them. You can go to the Instagram uh, forward slash Gridiron Beauties on there, and you can actually go like the page, like the uh, championship. So shout out to them for winning the uh, IWFA, the Icon Women's Football Association out of Texas. Premier League Championship. That is the Legends win. Uh, Austin Legends win 44 to 40 uh, over the Dolphins at this point. You also have an event, uh, the IWFA, IWFA event coming up here March 27th through the 29th. It is the $10,000 tournament challenge. $10,000 on the line. Anybody that's eight on eight. If you play eight on eight ball, you are welcome to submit to this tournament to IWFA on Facebook. And you can go there to get the link and the email information as well. And it's going to be March 27th, 29th. So the challenge has been uh, put out there by Terrence Haywood, which is the head of the IWFA, and $10,000 on the line for the top team to come in. So it's going to be broken down within that price pool, first, second, and third. So March 27th through the 29th, there you go. And then we also have an event coming up, the America's Bowl in Honduras. Big event, March 12th. Through the 7th, thanks to Ellie White out there for supplying us all the information for that event. And then AFE out there, Dale uh, Glasenberg as well. And it's going to be covered by Yarda 20 and Yarda 506 in the Central America swing. Yarda 20 out of Mexico, Yarda 506 out of uh, Costa Rica, I believe, in Honduras. So the America's Bowl in Honduras will be a coverage, live coverage, and we will uh, have that for you as well. Yarda 20, Yarda 506 to cover the America's Bowl, and that's going to include AFE, a U.S. team, Mexico team uh, from Mexico, and a couple uh, Honduras team, Costa Rica, and I believe a Brazilian team as well. So we'll get the details for you as they get closer to the event, which is in about a week or so from now. We get the America's Bowl, and then a week after, we get the IWFA 10,000 tournament, uh, tournament event that's going to come up. Then we're looking forward to in, in season for some of the leagues as well. WFA National Championship, if you're ready, you're ready to go to Denver. It's Marv K Stadium. It's going to be July 10th through the 11th, uh, Golden, Colorado. I will try to get with Win to find out if you can get tickets ahead of time or not at this point, but I'm pretty sure uh, as we get closer to July or maybe May as an example, uh, we might, we might May or June, we might get information in terms of tickets and how to get there as well. The WNFC 9 Cup, Number two, second nine cup, 2020. That's going to be July 11th at the Field of Dreams in Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh, home of the, the La, La Muerte de Las Cruces, WF, WNFC Title Nine Cup, 2020, July 11th, Field of Dreams. You can go to WFAFootball.com WFA and get the details there as well. For the national championship, you can go to WFAProFootball.com to go to the WFA site as well. Um, live action this weekend, if you missed it, from Spain, LNFA Femenina, 7-on-7, seven seven, courtesy of YouTube. You had the La Rosa Black Demons, 46-19 uh, over the Osos Rivas in the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. Uh, that was March 1st. So you can get the replay there at the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Live LNFA Femenina 7-on-7 action 
and go there as well. Uh, the other uh, score that was there is Bata, uh, Badalona Drax. Uh, shout, it, uh, shout out um, the uh, Saragoza Hornets, 72-0. to So they rebound after a, a, game, a game loss the previous weekend. Week four was I, uh, XFFL out of Texas, Extreme Football, Female Football League out of Texas. South Texas Generals, the champions, take on the Corpus Christi uh, Divas. The champions edge the Divas 28-21. We are following that uh, XXFL Texas week-to-week, so you get the information there at the Hub, updates and scores as well. And then South Texas Cobras versus the Spartans 28-0. We have still photos of the Cobras versus the Spartans uh, to our network. I appreciate that as well. So we have a lot of action that happened this weekend, um, a lot of things that are uh, brewing for the next coming weekend, and we're looking forward to, what, another two weeks and we are going to have WFA uh, kickoff. We're going to have WNFC kickoff. We're going to have X-League kickoff again. Everybody's looking forward to see what it's going to be about for that at, at this point. Um, but if you go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Views, you can check out the video from uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks honoring the 2019 Division II WFA champions, the St. Louis Slams, as we just talked to uh, Coach Rodney Lacey about it. So um, they're – kind of exciting for them to try to build a relationship there with the XFL and kind of get themselves um, kind of like an, you know, a marketing type of uh, relationship to get noticed in the St. Louis community as well. So it's really, really good for them to have that kind of like uh, build that rapport. And he said, they're going to be at tailgating as well. So it's really good for them to try to get themselves out there and let everybody know that the team exists and maybe they'll end up getting more people to come watch the game at this point. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Um, the other event that happened was uh, over in Germany and the Munich Cowboys organization had a women's um, Euro camp, which was a lot of, a lot of players from different, different Euro countries. So we have a ladies, uh, ladies Germany, which we network with and you get the post there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron muties. Um, you also have a great article at the hub, and the article has to do with two female presidents in the XFL 2020. And that was the article by The Athletic. So check it out and go read it there. But great, great article that was done uh, by The Athletic uh, in terms of uh, spotlighting um, two of the presidents in the XFL. Um, you have um, some of those, uh, you know, n- nobody in the NFL, but the XFL has decided that, hey, they're going to go ahead and kind of break some barriers and put out some, you know, some uh, females in charge. So the the New York Guardians um, and the LA Wildcats uh, have um, president and CEOs basically. And so there are a couple people. There are what uh, Dallas Mavericks had what Sint Marshall as a CEO in 2000, um, 2018, I believe. So now we're, we're having two two female presidents, uh, a first in pro football. So uh, that's going to be exciting. So the Wildcats and the New York Guardians have two um, female parts. So you can check it out. Check it out uh, at The Athletic. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you can go ahead and subscribe for a free trial, and you can actually get the article there. Otherwise, you can log in if you have an existing account already. So congratulations to them on that in general. Um, and like I said, the camp, in, um, the camp in Germany was 33 teams, four nations. Um, so that was really big. And it was done by the uh, Munich Cowboy ladies as well out there. So 
congratulations to uh, the German team out there in the Germany, you know, swing where they're making some headways there as well. Um, the other article we had on there, let me see here. I got it. Um, go back out there, kind of scrolling out there besides, uh, um, so it was a big shout out to the uh, YEG female uh, football collective out of uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, they're 18 girls that started the program and now they're growing sort of like what was the Utah girls football league. Sort of like with, with, you know, Sam Gordon and them. So from humble beginnings come great things. And so 18 of the girls that actually were the trailblazers in the Edmonton area uh, were spotlighted there. And so you, you can get the uh, Monday motivation from us uh, for the YEG female collective and shout out to those girls for doing a great job out there as well. And we do have an, uh, Action and coverage by Thornton Lux uh, for the uh, rookies versus the Buffaloes. And unfortunately, uh, the LNFA Feminina 9-on-9 uh, series uh, was cut short this year because there wasn't enough teams to field 9-on-9, so they decided to go 7-on-7 seven seven for the most part. And so the rookies uh, played two games against the Buffaloes, and both games were won. So technically, their championship um, was basically, uh, you know, basically a two-game championship, if you want to call it that. Um, so it was one of those things where um, they just couldn't field any teams uh, for nine on nine series, and so the girls just decided, hey, they're just going to make a two-game series out of it in, in this sense. But the seven on seven matchups are really good. Um, seven on seven, Valencia Fire uh, Firebats and the LG. Uh, um, La Rosa's Black Demons, they remain undefeated after uh, four weeks. So they lead the two groups in the Eastern uh, group, Firebats, one with uh, a great uh, feud against uh, Jabados Tres Contos. They routed them 46-0. to And so they lead the top uh, top of their group in a balance of 4-0 as a record, ahead of the Drox, which are 3-1. and Dolores Nuzzi, uh, three, Marta Alcantu, two, and Nicole Salazar scores, scored the total of seven touchdowns to give the Valencia Firebacks the win. The ba- Badalona Drax, meanwhile, also won at home, were appropriate in Saragossa Hornets. Um, so they route 72-0 to zero against the Hornets. Um, so they set the Mano uh, East group, so they lead that. So at this point, uh, the ba- uh, Badalona Drax much improved from the previous seasons, now they really are stepping up this year uh, as well. So the touchdowns of the Drax were scored by Alba Gutierrez, four, Elena uh, Leva, three, Maria Garcia, two, and Isabel Maria Lorenzo and Marielle Perel with a group of one touchdowns. In the West group, the Black Demons also remain uh, pretty much under, you know, in a good, a good light after their victory against the Oso Rivas. And you can get to watch that game courtesy of the YouTube coverage there in the Madrid Derby, 46-19 was the victory by the Black Demons. Uh, the talented Cristina Gomez with seven touchdowns led the, led the, uh, the Demons with, for the victory alongside uh, Maria Suna Munoz, Paloma Contreras, and Maria Libertad Brezzo scored the three touchdowns. So going forward in week five, we are very appreciative of our network, uh, FIFA Spain underscore Spain, and then obviously uh, La Liga Sports in Spain, also covering the sport there as well. So you get the article as well, uh, some of the uh, still photos, courtesy of Thornton Lux and Lola Morales. Uh, so uh, thank you to them for spotlighting women's American football as well. So we're looking forward to that spot as well. All right. So if you haven't gone to the Hub, really appreciate you guys going to the Hub, 
share our photos, like our photos, uh, share our articles, do what you got to do, reach it out to your friends, bring awareness to the sport, and that's what we do best. So thanks to all our network partners for doing that as well. Um, so we're going to be like coming up. Um, Mackenzie couldn't make it today because apparently she's getting out of practice. So she is uh, over with the uh, Nebraska Nighthawks. So we will reschedule her for next week if that's the case, and we'll kind of revamp that as well. But, uh, you know, thanks to Coach Rodney Lacey for coming in today, kind of spotlighting the St. Louis Slam of the WFA. We're going to be looking forward to this coming week. As we get into the middle of March, uh, we are going to have a lot more people talking WFA and WNFC and looking forward to the kickoffs on April 4th as well. So we'll have WNFC, WFA, and then X League action as well. So we'll be covering those in the U.S. on top of all the rest of the leagues in Europe as well as we get into uh, May, June, WWCFL and Maritime Women's Football League as well in the, May, in the May swings. So a lot of football to cover, plus the Guam League we're going to be covering as well. So a lot of things happening in the sport, plus the international events that are going to be happening. Uh, looking for the Transatlantic Tournament that's going to happen in September as well. We're also going to be looking forward to um, the Australian, uh, Australian Women's uh, Championships May 30th through June 6th. That's going to be pretty exciting. And then the International Bowl that was just announced recently for Spain, that'll be December 2nd through the 6th, courtesy of AFE as well. So um, just going to be a great weekend of football. Looking forward to week five in XFL. Um, we'll see if we can reschedule Danica. I know she's going to be going through a lot of stuff here and, and maybe reschedule with her in a couple months based on what's happening over in Nashville with the tornado uh, disaster and hopefully all the misfit um, players as well kind of recover there. So um, hopefully everything is in good shape uh, in terms of devastation and, and hopefully, you know, insurance will cover it and things will go back to normal. I'm pretty sure they'll be doing some fundraising as well to just help alleviate some financial strain. Um, so WFA, if we get into it, you know, that's that's where everybody's going to have to kind of pitch in, try to help out our uh, football sisters to make sure that they get back on their feet and uh, get back to some sort of normality at this point. Uh, we did have results of the third Friendship Bowl, and that was over in over in uh, over in um, Lexfa Bajio, and uh, so you can get it at the hub as well. And uh, Lexfa Bajio was defeated 14-8 by Lobos Grises out of Durango, and so that was uh, the third Friendship Bowl. So we'll look. Uh, we'll keep tabs on that as well. In terms of the Mexican scene, we are going to have uh, FX Mexico, Lexfa, UFAN, Liga del Pacifico. Um, we have the Cancun uh, League out there, plus women's football, WFL, um, X League style play. So we got you covered. Don't worry about it. You, the only place you need to be is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great Beauties. And you can also go to Twitter daily at Great Iron Beauties. We invite you guys to go to Twitter on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. We are going to be right there with you covering XFL for the love of football hashtag. We are going to be right in the mix trying to cover all the games on the weekend. So if you, uh, you want to join us, go to the Twitter feed at Great Iron Beauty on Twitter. So for the absent, Mackenzie Brooks, um, Holly Custis, and as well as uh, Luis Bean and Troy Wilson. Oscar Lopez saying here, we'll see you here for 3-11. And thanks again to uh, Coach Rodney Lacey for coming in and spotlighting the talented D 
two 2019 champions, St. Louis Slams. So have a great evening, everybody.